It is the Colby Daniels Podcast, and it is our weekly MMA episode as I welcome in my co-host. He is the one and only Will Brewer. Will, what's happening, my friend? Man, you know, it's good to be uh, talking to you today after the great weekend that I had. Um, the Packers, man, they uh, they almost gave it away, but, you know, they got the job done. Um, Fury and Wilder was crazy. Uh, there was just a lot of great things that happened, but then, of course... Um, Marina Rodriguez, your worst nightmare and my favorite female. Fi- Maybe I won't go that far, but Marina Rodriguez. Every time I picked her, she's done me well. Yeah. <laughs> and you only picked her to go opposite me, which is the more That's- frustrating part of all this. <laughs> That's it. And yeah. because she did, she did you dirty the first time. She did me so dirty. Like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's I totally thought, second. dude. Like I totally thought I was getting redemption this time. So it, it's extra salt in the wound that not only did I 100% believe I was getting redemption, but that you took the other side just to be on the other side, and it went that way. Yeah, yeah and you said last week you were like, if this goes uh, Marina Rodriguez's way, I'm going to be furious. Yeah. And sure enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got my uh, text message, I would assume, right after that thing finished. I just sent the uh, the cussing emoji. I was like, again? You kidding me? Again? Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, Yeah. That was that was a disappointing yeah. one for me. I, I didn't uh, I didn't think it was going to go that way, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But I, I give uh, Marina Rodriguez a ton of credit. I did not think that that fight was going to go that way for sure. Um, all right, let's. Uh, oh, I do want to hit this real quick, and this is an MMA episode, combat sports episode, so uh, we won't spend much time on this. But as I watched Mason Crosby miss kick after kick <laughs> after kick, first of all, I just imagined you yelling, "Damn it, Mason!" <laughs> But secondly, Bro, I, as a Cowboy I, fan that has watched my team lose to your team so many times on Mason Crosby field goals, I was like, now? Now you want to miss game-winning kicks? Three in a row? Now you want to miss three in a row game-winning kicks? Mr. Automatic, anytime you kick against the Cowboys? Ugh. I think I think that's what it is, man. I think yeah. it's he has to be in a high-pressure situation and, you know, playoffs, yeah. you know, Cowboys, you know, it just... It just means that much more when it's when it's the Cowboys and it's the playoffs against in a regular season game against Cincinnati. Like, how much can you really get up for that? But still, yeah. I mean, Mason Crosby is supposed to be automatic, man. Come on, like, you know, the Packers aren't supposed to lose to the to Cincinnati in any scenario. But uh, for that, for it to be that close, uh, there was no reason for it to be that close. But then for Mason to basically be kicking the game away, I'm like, bro, come on, man. But I mean, eventually they got it all figured out. They ended up winning the game. It was a nail biter, but we got it working. I was going to tell you that if my Cowboys played your Packers tomorrow for the first time in a long time, I would feel pretty good about my team. Oh, man, I would feel uh, very nervous because, yeah. you know, you know how much I love watching Aaron Rodgers throw the football. But at this point, I don't I don't want him to just if he's throwing away from Trayvon Diggs, which I don't think he'll be able to do <laughs> with uh, because I'm sure Diggs is going to be uh, shadowing Devontae Adams wherever he goes. Uh, yeah, throw away from Diggs because that guy, is, his hands is crazy, man. Yeah. I know uh, it runs in the family, brother of Stephon Diggs, and he used to be a receiver and everything, but man, that guy has <laughs> crazy hands. And then that, that whole defense has been turned around. So I know you're liking exactly where your Cowboys are headed. Um, they have only lost to the champs so far, but everyone else, it seems like it's just been uh, pretty easy. I would, You know what? Honestly, I would love to see that game played now against Tampa. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> No Gronk. I mean, Gronk's uh, dealing with injuries, but even then, uh, I just, you know, a bunch of rookies defensively the first time around that played their that made their NFL debut in week number one, as opposed to having exactly. you know some yeah some time under their belt. But anyway, uh, all right, let's. Uh, I want to start with boxing because I thought that was uh, 
I mean, as I was, there were so many great things about Saturday. I mean, the Red River rivalry was, I think, the the best OU Texas game I've ever seen. At the Bruh. same time, there was that crazy Ole Miss Arkansas game that I was watching simultaneously on my two screens. That thing finished fifty two fifty one. Then we had the crazy top five Iowa Penn State matchup in the afternoon. A and M pulls off the upset over Alabama. And with all that said, like Fury Wilder three was as good as anything I saw on Saturday night. It was amazing. That fight was arguably, I know we do this all the time in sports and it drives me crazy because we, we become prisoners of the moment. That was as good a heavyweight fight as I've ever seen. Man, well, first of all, to talk about college football, so much went on last Saturday. That OU Texas game, man, I thought for sure going into <laughs> halftime, there was no way that we were going to be looking at an OU win. It just seemed like all the momentum was with Texas. I mean, OU couldn't really get nothing going. Uh, but then to, to see how it unfolded in the second half, it was just crazy. Uh, Alabama losing? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? And then, uh, like you said, Mississippi State and Arkansas, like it was just a crazy day of college football. Uh, the UFC event, I mean, lackluster at best. Yeah. I mean, yeah. eh. But then you you go back and Fury Wilder to cap off the night, man. That fight was just oh, incredible so from start to finish, man. Um, Wilder put on put on weight. Like the first time he fought Fury, he weighed 212 pounds. The third fight, he weighed in at I believe it was 238 pounds, and he carried it well as long as he could land or, or throw these power shots. But as soon as he got hurt, it just seemed like it was all gone. <laughs> like yeah. his his gas tank and everything. When Fury survived those uh, that onslaught in the fourth, and we got knocked down twice. I mean, it seemed like it just took everything out of Wilder, and uh, Fury kind of had his way from th- from there on out. But Wilder showed tremendous heart. He showed that he that he improved from their second fight. Uh, just the gas tank, man, carrying almost 30 extra pounds, man. It, it, it showed. And Fury being all of 200 and almost 80 pounds, for him to have the gas tank that he has, it's it's crazy, man. That was, like you said, it was as good of a heavyweight fight that you'll ever see. It definitely delivered. It definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, for it to end in, in the 10th the way it did, um, crazy. Kudos to both men. They both left it out there. Yeah, it's a rare thing, I think, where, especially given the way the second fight went, where I think these two could match up again and you walk away with more respect for both of them after the third fight, right? Like, it, I mean, it was all fury in fight number two, and I, I I, didn't know short of Wilder winning the third fight that he could salvage, I think, the overall perception of him, but he did it, right? And and it was right. it was with, I think, a really smart game plan in round number one. It was landing a couple of big shots in round number four to drop Fury twice after he himself had been dropped and faced some adversity. And I will say this. I thought that after he dropped Fury twice, the next round, I thought, was arguable either way. But after round five, I thought Fury won every single round. But at the same time, there was a moment in every single round where Fury felt like he was running away with it and Wilder would maybe land just one shot, but it was just enough to maybe have Fury pump the brakes a tad, right? Like, I'm not saying it was a game changer, but it just felt like every time Fury felt like he was really starting to take those rounds over, Wilder would just get him, clip him enough to make him tap the brakes and, and for him to keep fighting through, I, I thought round after round after round where clearly Fury was, was winning the fight uh, in rounds, you know, six until the, the finish showed a lot of, of heart. And uh, again, I walked away with tremendous amount of respect for both guys, but definitely I think Wilder salvaged what was a, a pretty bad reputation after, you know, all the excuse making following the second fight to get dominated the way that he did and to talk about, you know, the, the costume 
and that like taking his legs from him before he even start. I mean, it was just, it was so absurd that it's just like, come on, man. Like sometimes you just have to take your L and uh, you know, I know that, that there was still some, uh, some post fight stuff that went down where he didn't really want to give Fury his credit. But I think just in terms of the, the warrior spirit, if you will, um, Wilder gained a lot of respect. Absolutely gained a lot of respect. Uh, you wish that he would uh, uh, handle a loss better than he has these last two times, um, especially this last one, because it was such a war. I mean, that's the type of fight where uh, you both left it out there. You had to have gained a ton of respect for your opponent, uh, both guys. And Fury tried um, to give his respect, and uh, Wilder wasn't take wasn't handling it. Um, I mean, this is these are his first; these are his only losses in his whole career. Is to Fury. He's knocked out everyone else. Anyone else that he's touched with his hands, they've they've fallen. <laughs> and for Fury to to get touched, to get knocked down as many times as he did, as Wilder knocked him down, and to yeah. be able to still get up, I'm sure that's extremely frustrating when you've knocked down so many other guys and they haven't responded. So, um, you know, you wish that Wilder would handle the loss better, but um, both guys earned a tremendous amount of respect. I mean, how can you not respect Fury for just getting up? And then same with Wilder, uh, the shots that these two men were taking and then getting back up. I mean, there's no way that as fans that we can't just look at both of these guys and have a ton of respect. Wilder's doing everything he can to, to you know, make people not like him. But uh, you have to respect him. Uh, respect Wilder him, showed yeah. tremendous heart um, to be able to stay in the fight as long as he did, taking all those shots. Um, it was just an incredible fight, man. I uh, enjoyed it from start to finish. So good. I, like I said, I think it's it's. Uh, I can't off the top of my head. Like I can't think of a, a heavyweight fight, you know, short of the ESPN classics that you know we we watched that took place way before we were born. But in my lifetime, sitting down watching a fight play out, I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen a heavyweight fight that was more entertaining than that. And again, part of it was just because Wilder surprised us all in the first round. And then that, you know, for, for both of those guys to each get knocked down in back to back rounds in the first four rounds of the fight, it, it was just amazing. You just, you genuinely felt like for that entire fight, like either guy was potentially one big shot away from winning it. And th- that's when I think that sport is at its best is when you know that, that either guy could potentially, potentially win the fight at any point. And, uh, it, it was awesome, man. And, and look, let me also say Tyson Fury. We talked about this the last time, like, this dude is like a cartoon character, right? Like he looks like this character that would be the boss on Mike Tyson's punch out. And he's got <laughs> loads and loads of personality. And, you know, like I've heard people this week talking about the love handles. I mean, this isn't a chiseled, you know, Greek God looking heavyweight champion. This guy's got love handles and he's just, you know, he's got the, the facial expressions, you know, he's got the massive bald head and like, he just literally looks like a cartoon character and he sings after the, you know, the fight's <laughs> over. And like I, this guy is, if he were American, will like this guy would be arguably the biggest star in this country. And I, he's, a, I'm not he's a massive star anyway, but I think that type of personality to also come across as very humble, uh, but have the, the personality that he does. Like the guy's a rock star. There's no other way to put it. The guy is a rock star. Absolutely. Fury is a massive superstar. And I mean, like you said, if he was American, he would be uh, even more of a star in this country. Um, yeah. And, and this, yeah and, and not only has he been able to become a big star, but people can kind of relate to him because of his uh, mental health uh, history. Right. He's he's been open about it. Um, it's all it's it's everywhere. He, you know, the pictures of him 
um, when he I think he said he weighed about 400 pounds or whatever. Um, and then, you know, seeing the pictures of him, you think he has love handles now. I mean, just yeah. go back, <laughs> yeah. go back and look at those pictures from back then. It looked uh, all bad. And then for him to 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 come out of that, become heavyweight champion uh, the way that he has beat uh, the guy who at the time seemed unbeatable. I remember going into the the first Wilder Fury fight, just thinking that this was another guy that Wilder was just going to knock out. Mm -hmm. And then for him to have the performance that he had in the first fight, the performance that he had in the second fight and the third fight, I mean, this whole story, it's it's something that people can relate to and then to see that he came out of it um, and try and triumph. Um, it's just something that's just really beautiful to see. Um, and then to be as humble as he is, uh, and but also as confident as he is, um, there's so much love about Tyson Fury. I don't think there's anything that anyone can pinpoint and say, man, I don't really like Tyson Fury. He's this, you know, there's just something to love about, about Fury. Uh, the way he fights, how skilled he is to, and to be that big. I mean, uh, how light he is on his feet. Uh, just, just a very, very skilled boxer, man. Um, I mean, for me, for so, as someone who came into the sport late, um, and to see a guy like Fury to be that big, to move the way he does, to have the gas tank that he does, uh, to have the heart that he does. It's, it's, it's beautiful to see, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you two two part question? Do you want to see another Fury Wilder fight in general? And the next part is, what do you want to see next for Tyson Fury? Man, um, I don't want to see I don't want to see a Fury Wilder fight next, right? Like yeah, they yeah. have to move on from each other. Um, Wilder Wilder has some work to do to get back to Fury. I think he needs a, a big win. I mean, and, and probably all it's going to take is one big win. Uh, because there's not much heavyweight traction right now. I mean, there's a little bit with uh, with Usyk, uh, but there's not much heavyweight traction. So, like, say Fury and Usyk fight, and then Wilder beats a uh, uh, Andy Ruiz or Anthony Joshua. Of then yeah, let's let's see that fight again, but not uh, immediately. Uh, as, in terms of Fury, though, um, next for him, uh, I mean, just throw him in there with Usyk. I think that's a very intriguing uh, matchup uh, in terms of just two skilled boxers going at it. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see how Usyk approaches that fight because Fury is so tall and uh, Fury is going to be moving around and everything. It would be uh, I'd be curious to see how Fury handles Usyk's speed, because that's what that's something that Joshua had a had a really hard time with was uh, Usyk's speed. So um, I think that matchup is really intriguing. I would love to see that one next. But um, still, with how big of a star that Anthony Joshua is, I, I think it's I think it's hard, even though he's coming off of a loss. I think it's hard to go away from Fury and Joshua. I mean, I know that Usyk and Joshua have a rematch. Uh, so if Joshua wins that, I think the winner of that fight is going to fight Fury next. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think that's the way it'll happen. I would prefer to see Fury, Usyk immediately, Anthony Joshua and Wilder head to head. And then that, that just naturally works itself out, right? Yeah. I would love to see uh Wilder and Joshua fight because Joshua is so gifted, such a like he's got all the tools, but it just doesn't seem like he's interested. <laughs> like uh, the fights that he's lost to Ruiz and to Usyk, it just didn't seem like he was all the way um, motivated. There's and a there's a the level. Let me, I just want to interject for a second. What we witnessed on Saturday night to see both of those guys. Here's why they got so much respect because they both fought through adversity the whole fight, right? Like Wilder was getting punched, but he kept fighting through. And you felt like you were watching him dig deep to keep going. Same thing for Fury when he got rocked two times. Like you watched a guy have to really dig deep to keep going and try and come out on the other side. And I think what what you're talking about is Joshua maybe lacking that within fights, right? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. 
Joshua's lacking that, and we've seen Wilder. He's building himself up uh, to to show people that he's got toughness, that he can uh, survive. And when it when it comes to Wilder and Joshua, Joshua is has all the talent in the world. Wilder doesn't have necessarily have the 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 most skill in the world, but he's got he's got uh, heart and he's got a big right hand, right? So say these two fight, and and it it becomes a contest of who can dig deeper. At this point, it's the the answer is Wilder, right? <laughs> I mean, Joshua hasn't shown that when adversity comes his way, that he can climb out of that. Um, as long as the fight is easy, as long as he can overwhelm people with his skill, everything is fine. But as soon as he as he hits adversity, he's always shut down. And if Wilder can make uh, Joshua taste adversity early, that's yeah. a that's a winnable fight for for Wilder, regardless of the gap in skill. So, um, you know, Joshua, I'm sure he's going to be extremely motivated for this next fight. Uh, with Usyk, so we'll probably see a, a a very good performance. Just like with Ruiz, he lost the first fight, but in the rematch, he basically blew him out. Uh, so I, I expect to see a Joshua against Usyk, who's going to be very motivated and he's going to and he's going to shine. It's going to be a tough fight for sure, but I expect to see a, a definitely a, a better looking Joshua. So um, we'll see how it all plays out, man. But I would love to see a Joshua uh, Wilder fight and a Usyk Fury fight, and then the winners fight each other. It's so frustrating to me that there are so many damn belts in this sport and. <laughs> Like, can you imagine, and we got a little bit of this with the heavyweight title match coming up in January, right? You, you see the photos of Francis Ngannou with a belt and Cyril Ghosn with a belt, and it just, it's ridiculous. Like, let's just right. call it what it is. It's ridiculous that, that they're, like, promoting this, like, let's unify the belts. What? <laughs> no. You guys just created this this thing for Ghosn because you wanted to sell a pay-per-view, and you That's needed it. a main event. It wasn't Ngannou missing an extended period of time or any of that nonsense, so it, it, that feels very fake. But can you imagine if, like, Ngannou and Gon and John Jones and Stipe are all walking around with belts, and it's like, it's so stupid. I hate it. It, it bothers me so much. And it's not like they're walking around with one belt. These guys are walking around with like four belts apiece. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, bro, what is go- what is even happening here? Like, he's the WBA, the WBC, the WBF, the WBH, yeah. the WBJ. It's like, come on, man. Like, can we just get one like true heavyweight champion? Uh, I mean, I'm, I know that that's it's like college football back in the 1940s when it would be like everybody just played their schedule. Right. And then at the end of the year, like all these different publications just said, <laughs> like, like the sporting news would say, here's the sporting news national champion. And the football writers association is like, here's my national champion. And then the AP's like, here's my net. Na- and you, you might have like, I mean, some of them will agree, but there might be like four or five people that can claim a national championship because one random publication decides, hey, we're going to we're going to award a national championship. Exactly. That's exactly how it is with with this boxing stuff, man. Oh. Like, I think there's so many people who, um, who have like a share of the heavyweight title yeah. that you can't really. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who think like this is the best heavyweight in the world, but you can't really say that because so many guys have like a a, a heavyweight championship. So it would be good if there could just be one organization yeah. to take these boxers under their wing and then fight out who's the best. And uh, we're we're kind of seeing uh, these guys uh, fight each other. But there's so many loopholes for a Fury and Joshua fight that we can never see that happen because uh, they're ran by two different right. you know organizations and stuff. It's just so uh, it's a roller coaster. And because <laughs> of that, and, and I'm not just saying the heavyweight division in all divisions, you can't right. ever get the best against the best. Like it takes literally the stars aligning and moving Earth to get the best against the best in this sport. Because they, they, you know, like I already have a belt. Why do I need to go get that one against a guy that might put a loss on my my resume? It's oh, I hate it. So much. I, there is nothing like a big time boxing match, right? Like like Saturday night, 
when you have Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and just the entire spectacle that that event is, it's amazing. And I feel this way every time Canelo fights, regardless of, you know, like when he fights anybody, I know he's going to win in maybe, you know, three rounds, but like there's just a spectacle when you have a big name in that sort of environment. And it's just a shame that we rarely get any of those where it's like the best against the best. And, you know, going back to the UFC again, like imagine if four dudes had the belts and then none of those guys ever fought each other. Yeah. It's like, like Ngannou is fighting Andre Orlovsky for the <laughs> WBA UFC belt. And uh, Cyril Gaon is matching up with Jerzinho Rosenstrike for the WBC UFC belt. And like, it's just like, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's tough, man. Like boxing would be, so, would benefit so much if they just let Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford fight each other. If they let the stars just fight each other. Yeah. I mean, there's so many guys who have like a 43 and 0 record or 44 and 0 record with like 40 knockouts. And we're like, okay, who's he, who has he fought? Like, I remember, um, seeing Earl Spence fight, uh, I think it was Sean Porter. Uh, and that was such a big, it was such a big fight because it was actually a name on it, yeah. on his resume that he was fighting. And, uh, I was kind of new to Earl Spence. I didn't really know much about him, but, um, you know, everyone was telling me this is his first big test. And I was like, well, dang, like, he's like, I forget what his record is, what his record is, but he was undefeated. Yeah, like, I'm how like, the hell can you be 41 and 0 when it's like your first real test? And it's your first real test, yeah. right? So it's just like, come on, man. Like, I mean, in respect to the UFC, because when someone is like Surreal Gone is 12 and 0 or whatever, he's fighting for the championship, right? He's, he's getting these opportunities. So, uh, you know, boxing has some flaws, but like boxing could be such a, a much bigger sport than it is because of situations like Fury and Wilder. Yeah. Just we don't get to see it that much. I know it I know it was a different time, obviously, but like, do you have Ali if you don't have Frazier? Right. You know what I mean? Like it's the reason why we look at Fury Wilder the other night and and put it so high on the pedestal. Because if you don't ever have a guy that meets somebody that is maybe his equal and he has to like fight through adversity to win, like you never really get to witness what what we all deem as greatness, that having to dig down to, to find a way to win a fight. And if you're, if you're if you're just annihilating everybody and there's never an equal, like we don't know what you're really made of. And I think there's something to be said for having those kinds of fights. You know, going back to the golden era of boxing, like there were so many legendary fighters that all fought each other. And if you don't have... Ali fighting Frazier, maybe neither one of those guys are, you know, and I'm not, I, I obviously they, they both had other big fights as well. But my example is like, those are the kind of fights that, that make you, your name and identity, I guess, as a, as a legend that it, it transcends just your time period, right? Like if you don't ever have any of those, you're just, you're just a good fighter in your era. And there's nothing really special to point at as to like what, what makes you in that same breath of like, look what he accomplished. Right. Like go back to the 90s, like the golden era. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know for sure if this is considered the golden era. But when uh, when my dad would talk about uh, boxing and everything, of course, there was the Ali and the Frazier's and stuff. But in the 90s, uh, you had like Holyfield and Tyson and Lennox Lewis and all these Rick different Bo. names. And they were yeah. Riddick Bowe. Like they were all fighting each other. Yeah. I think there was like one uh, like particular matchup that never ha- that never happened. Um, it might have been like Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe. I might be wrong about that. But um like, but in in the in that era, like all of the of the high level heavyweight fighters were fighting each other. Yeah, and you just don't see that now. I mean, you you see you get Wilder and Fury, but outside of that, like, why can't we get Fury and Joshua? Why can't we get Spence and Crawford? Like, I mean, I guess it was uh, uh, just a better time back then. But you had guys who wanted to prove that they were the best, and you didn't have all these organizations and all these fighters who had so much power. But uh, you just wish that now, like, fighters wanted to prove 
that they were the best. And I know Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford have that in them. Just we need to get that fight going, man. Amen. Amen. It was awesome, though. And, uh, man, I, I just I had such a great time watching that fight. And uh, I can't wait to see what's next for Tyson Fury. All right, let's, uh, let's hit uh, some... UFC headlines, because there's plenty to discuss, Will, including the fact that uh, that December card we've been talking about, headlined by Dustin Poirier and Charles Oliveira, we have a co-main event. Leon Edwards and Gamebred Masvidal, this has been something that I think everybody's just been waiting on for a while now, for obvious reasons. And look, Leon is not in line for a title shot at the moment, right? Like, it just wasn't going to happen. I love the fact that they were able to make this fight. Yeah, I love that they were able to make this fight, but man, I don't I don't really know if this is a blessing or if it's more of just like another loophole of to try to keep Leon away from the title. I don't know what it is, but I'm glad that the fight is happening finally after two years. Um, you know, this fight should have happened two years ago for sure. Yes. Um, Masvidal became a big star because he knocked out Darren Till in England and then he punched he punched on Leon Edwards backstage. Like from that moment, Le- or uh Jorge Masvidal took off into superstardom. Yep. Uh, he completely changed his career in one night. And then, of course, the, the Ashford knockout and then uh, so on and so forth. Leon Edwards, from that moment, from the moment that fight uh, uh, that night happened, where he got punched uh, by Jorge Masvidal, he's had to just fight, just just loophole, you know, roller coaster, up, down, up, down. Uh, and he's never been beat throughout this whole process, but he has never gotten that title shot that he's been looking for. Um, he's on the cusp of it now. And his last, the last um, piece to the puzzle for him to get that title shot is to beat his arch nemesis, uh, Jorge Masvidal. I, yeah. I kind of think it's a blessing, but at the I think same it's a time, major blessing, honestly. But at the same time, if he were to lose at this at this point, when yeah. he's only got one piece to the puzzle left until he gets the title shot, it would just be a travesty because Leon has worked so hard for this, and so much shit has happened to him with the whole pandemic. And uh, Hamza Shemaev, the how many times that fight came and gone? The Bilal Muhammad shit, you know? Yeah. They beating Nate Diaz for 24 minutes and then getting rocked. That's the only reason why he's in this position now. But it, it is a good position to be in to fight a guy like Masvidal, who ha- who is a big superstar. He's gonna make the most money he's ever made, and he's gonna get to get revenge on a, for a night that he hasn't forgot about since it happened. So. I see it both sides, but I'm glad this fight is happening. I think the UFC is doing everything they can to let Leon Edwards earn his path to not only superstardom, but a title fight. Like, he's had an enormous amount of bad luck. He finally comes back, and it was literally as simple as, you beat Bilal Muhammad, you you get the next spot, right? Like, right. that's all you did, beat Bilal <laughs> Muhammad, you get the next spot, and then there's the eye poke. And it's like, okay, let's, let's give Leon, what's the biggest opportunity we could give Leon right now where, you know, obviously he's going to be a massive favorite, but if he beats this guy, it's also going to skyrocket his star power. It's Nate Diaz. Right. They gave him a gift, like, right? Like, Nate Diaz isn't fighting everybody. Like, you are, the UFC has to think very highly of you, I think, to give you a Nate Diaz fight. He got that opportunity, and he did exactly what he should have done for 24 minutes, and then, unfortunately, we watched the final 60 seconds of him just trying to survive. So, once again, you get out of a fight where it's like, dude, you go win that thing and look good in the process, and you're next. You're in line. And, once again, it slips through his fingers the majority of people right now don't want to see Leon Edwards get a title shot. So I think the only way that you can get him back in that conversation again, what's the only way he's there? It's Masvidal. Like, once again, the UFC is giving him the gift of, like, there is no bigger fight, once again, to salvage all of this than the one we're handing you. I, okay, I, I agree with you on that part. I, I, I definitely agree with you, but my, my only thing is, 
shouldn't Leon Edwards have gotten the title shot after he beat Nate Diaz? Like, there's, there, I mean, there is a, there's a discussion. Like, Kobe Covington, this is my only argument. Kobe yeah. Covington is getting the next title shot, right? He won, he beat Tyron Woodley. That was his last fight, and that right. was last August. He hasn't fought in almost a year and a half, and he's getting a title shot. This is uh, Leon's third fight of the year, and he has to do all of this just to get a title shot. I'm just like, man, where is he going wrong? I mean, of course we know Kobe's going to talk his shit, sell the pay-per-view and all that, so I think that's what the main difference is. But, man, Leon Edwards is sell unbeaten. the pay-per-view. For... You said it. Yeah, yeah, right. Of course, that's, that's the simple answer. But as a guy like Leon Edwards, he hasn't been beaten since 2015. He hasn't yeah. been beaten since Kamaru Usman and him fought the first time. Yeah. Nobody has beaten this man. And we've seen guys like Masvidal get two title shots. We've seen uh, Kobe get a title shot. And this is about to be a second one. Mm-hmm. Gilbert Burns got a title shot off of beating Tywin Woodley. So, I mean, it's just, it's just a tough situation for Leon to be in to, to keep having to prove himself when these other guys are kind of getting... Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say layups, but they're kind of getting gifted. You know, the, you know, you win two or three in a row, and then you get a title shot. Yeah. Leon, Leon's won. Okay, well, that Bilal fight kind of broke his streak, but right. he hasn't been beaten since 2015. The problem is you he's you have to have momentum out of those wins, though. That's the biggest issue. Is the win has to also give you momentum, and you know, Gilbert Burns' win over Tyron Woodley was really impressive, and it gave him momentum forward. Leon Edwards got the win over Nate Diaz, but he certainly got zero momentum coming out of that win. That's the biggest issue. Yeah, zero. Zero, zero momentum. momentum. Oh, because even though he got, even though he got his hand raised, like the referee raised Leon Edwards' hand, but Nate, yeah. but Nate Diaz raised up both of his hands, and I kind of thought that that was very symbolic of how yes. the fight went. Because <laughs> so, everybody watching that fight said, if that thing goes thirty seconds longer, like it's probably a finish, right? Like right. that's that's crushing to the whole momentum part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, man. Uh, he did miss out on an opportunity to just blow him out uh, in those last 60 seconds. Uh, but I guess I'm kind of just thinking, like, with the totality of all that yeah. Leon Edwards has gone through uh, since this whole pandemic started and all of the... Uh, he, he said yes to Hamza Shemaev, where no one else would want to fight him. Like, nobody else was saying yes to him. And Leon Edwards, who was ranked number three, said, yes, I'll fight, I'll fight him. Three different times he yeah. said that I will fight him. And the, the fights didn't go his way, or uh, not the fights, but um, the bookings didn't go didn't go his way. And of course, he had to settle for Bilal Muhammad because that was just the, the only guy that would take the fight with him. And you know, it's just been a whirlwind for Leon Edwards. But I'm glad he's in this spot uh, with Masvidal. This is this is the last uh, piece of the puzzle. And I don't really think that there's a scenario where he doesn't get out of this fight with some sort of momentum if he wins, because Masvidal is going to bring an exciting fight, um, no matter if it's no matter who it's against. Masvidal is always exciting. Well, stylistically, not, this fight will be a banger, right? Like exactly, yeah. exactly. Like none of these guys are trying to go to are trying to go to the ground. Um, you know, Leon's talking about how he wants to, you know, uh, finish Masvidal. Like he's thinking of this fight as a war. So, um, and that's what Masvidal rep- represents every time he goes out there. So, um, I'm excited to see it. Um, this is I don't really. I mean, I'm, I'm defending Leon Edwards like right now, but like on the other hand i'm a, still a big masvidal fan as well so just the the whole idea of this fight is very intriguing to me yeah i look i mean I, again it's just it's really just i think what we're identifying is leon's had a tremendous amount of bad luck and right. I, I just i appreciate the fact that the ufc is still giving him these opportunities that are like rocket ships right like you have this opportunity to rocket ship yourself to the very top you just you know hopefully you don't poke somebody in the eye like <laughs> You know, Gilbert Burns got a title shot for beating Tyron Woodley. 
Leon would have gotten a title shot for beating Bilal Muhammad. Like, unfortunately, just bad stuff happens to Leon, like, every time out. And it just it's, he, he can't seem to parlay all these opportunities into positive momentum to put him back in that, that seat. By the way, speaking of Nate Diaz, I love the fact that Vicente Luque keeps uh, trying to make that thing happen. That would be an awesome fight. Yeah, that would be an amazing fight. Uh, fight of the night, for sure. Uh, just the, the styles. I mean... I know that Luke could uh, could make this boring and take it to the ground and have his way, but I know with the type of fighter, the type of fights that we've seen Luke have in the past, with with the Nico Prices and the uh, Brian Barberinas and everything, it's it, it calls for an exciting fight, a, a Luke and Diaz fight. Not only that, but if he doesn't fight Nate Diaz, who is he going to fight? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the the welterweight division is kind of at a, a standstill right now, and. Um, like you got Luke and like you got Burns, you got uh, Leon Edwards kind of at the top there, but uh, behind them you have like Wonder Boy who lost, Kiesa who lost, like you got Neil Magny down there. Like, who is Luke gonna fight? So if I'm Luke, I'm really, really pushing for this Nate Diaz fight, like he is, because um, Luke and Gilbert Burns are teammates. They're they're friends. They're brothers. They're not gonna fight each other. They train together, all that stuff. So. If I'm Luke, I'm definitely pulling for this uh, Nate Diaz fight as much as possible. Yeah, I said after the the last win, I I mean, skip the line. Let's uh, put him in in uh, November in Madison Square Garden, right? I, I I would be in on a on a Luke Usman title fight right now. Yeah, it's it's a fresh matchup. It's a very very intriguing stylistic matchup because we I mean Usman's been uh he's made massive improvements with his stand up, but what does that look like with the guy? Who can really put his lights out like Luke? Yeah. Um, Burns is—he's for let's call it what it is. Burns fought at 155 before this, uh, and then he moved up to 170. So he's kind of a of an overblown lightweight in a way. But Luke's been fighting at 170 his entire career, so uh, he's more in tune with uh, with his body and everything. So what does that look like with Usman fighting a guy who could put his lights out? Um, you know, early. Uh, and on top of that, if Usman takes a fight to the ground, we've seen how dangerous uh, Luke is on the ground with his submissions. Like he put Kiesa in a, in a, in that dar so fast. Like Kiesa <laughs> didn't under, didn't even know, like it, it was so fast. So, uh, and it could happen at any point in the fight. So that matchup, Usman and Luke, um, is very, very, uh, intriguing stylistically. We are, uh, inching closer to the next pay-per-view. Uh, Will, we have some big changes on this fight card and I think big changes in the right direction, Right, like we have a couple of guys that had to drop out of fights, and I think, from a entertainment standpoint, the substitutes that enter these two major fights make both fights, I think, more intriguing, and I think potentially more entertaining. I'm 100% with you. Uh, I, I mean, I don't even know which fight to start with. I, I mean, let's start with Jan not- Sanhagen. You know, obviously the Aljo situation just sucks, right? Let's just call it for what it is. It sucks all the way around. It sucks for Aljo. It sucks for Jan. It sucks for that entire division that is arguably the deepest division in the entire sport. It's just a terrible situation. I love the fact, you know, I, I we, we debated this for like half an hour after the Dillashaw Sanhagen fight about who actually won that thing. Uh, I know that TJ's dealing with some, some uh, health issues. Uh, but I love the fact that it's Corey Sanhagen. I mean, Corey Sanhagen, Pewter Yawn is arguably, stylistically, as good a matchup as you can make at 135. Yeah, for a division that's as talent-rich as 135, like Peter Yawn and Corey Sanhagen, for me, kind of stand uh, above the pack because uh, their fighting styles, their mentalities, like um, 
just the, the the matchup itself, it calls for a very, very interesting fight. Um, I think it's going to be a very violent fight, um, brutal. Like, the way that Peter Yan uh, approaches his, his fights, like, I, I love everything about this fight. Like you said, um, I mean, Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, we see, we've seen that. You know, um, does Aljo's hurt. But throw in Corey Sandhagen, and it's just a whole other world of just uh, of, of, of possibilities. Your imagination just goes like, wow, yeah. this fight could really be something special. Uh, I don't really know how I, I think it'll go. But I, I just picture Peter Yan moving forward and Corey Sandhagen with his great footwork just – um, uh, trying to, trying to. I mean, no one has really made Peter Yan like break his forward progress, really. Right. <laughs> I mean, Aljo tried it, but uh, Peter Yan still just like none of your shots affect me. Like that's why we saw the sloppy performance from from uh, from Sterling because he couldn't hurt Yan. I think Corey Sandhagen for sure has the ability to hurt Peter Yan at all at yeah. all points of this fight with his hands or his feet or his knees. Like he's a very creative striker. So. Uh, Peter Yan's going to be uh, approaching him. He's going to be going forward. But Corey Sandhagen, he's tall. Um, he's very versatile with his strikes. Uh, this fight could go uh, a lot of different ways, and I'm excited to see how it goes. Regardless of our disagreement about who won Sandhagen Dillashaw, which it was Corey Sandhagen, um, <laughs> <laughs> here's what we can all agree on. That was a great fight, correct? Absolutely. Great I think fight. this is going to be very similar, right? I mean, Dillashaw went forward the whole time. Jan's going to go forward the whole time. I think Corey's such a good counter striker. And like you mentioned, his strikes can come from virtually anywhere at any point in time. Like, I, I, I it just stylistically has a lot of the similarities that Dillashaw of Sanhagen just had. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, to, to go forward with it, I don't. I think TJ, after a while, of course, he didn't want to stand with uh, Corey Sanhagen for long. He had to start wrapping him up, right? right? I don't anticipate Peter Yan really wrapping him up. Like I kind of see this being a striking fight, which kind of favors Corey Sanhagen in a way. But the question is, can he hurt Peter Yan? I think he can, but I mean, Peter Yan is a, is a scary individual, man. He's yeah. he's got uh, his his mentality, man. Uh, he he's never rattled in there, and uh, he's a very uh, vicious fighter. Um, so, I don't know, man. Um, I mean, Corey Sanhagen, he, he lost that fight to TJ. Um, he, <laughs> lost, he lost in the sport, right? Uh, yeah, he, yes. he lost the sports yes. fight. But like you said, if this was a fight on the street, and it was, of course, it, it's damage. We're going by damage, of course. Corey Sanhagen wiped the floor with him. But, I mean, TJ won the sport. Barely, but he got it done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. I mean, I, I cannot wait for that. This whole card is just stupid. Like I cannot wait for this fight card. Uh, we also have Dan Hooker, which we talked about this a few episodes ago when Dan Hooker fought Hack Parast and just for both of those guys, all the things they had to overcome just to, to fight, right. Just to do their job. And for Hooker to take this opportunity against a guy that is a stylistic problem, right? Like nobody wants Mahashev and Dan Hooker's already dealing with all the personal, parts of having to be away from his family and, you know, just the, the amount of time that he has to essentially be in isolation so he can fight one night is mind-blowing, and he's going to quickly turn around following the hack Parast win and match up against the, the toughest stylistic dude at 155. And like I said, with the two fill-ins, like, this elevates, I think, what this fight is. Definitely agree. Uh, I think Dan Hooker just, uh, his style, it it's... It's more of a problem for Islam 
uh, it's more of a puzzle for Islam to figure out than RDA would have been. Yes. Uh, RDA is tough, but Dan has so many weapons. Uh, he's taller. Um, he, he can take this fight to the ground. He's not scared to go to the ground with Islam. Um, he can use his kick. He can use, he can use his distance. He can use his knees. Uh, very creative striker. Um, so he presents a lot, a lot of problems that RDA wouldn't have. Um, uh, Dan Hooker, his gas tank, he can go into the deep waters. Um, he won't be rattled by uh, if he gets taken down. We've seen Dan Hooker in some very, very bad spots and then come back uh, to really uh, to, to close the gap in the fight. So um, I think with all of that, this is going to be the toughest fight that Islam has ever had. Um, if he is able to dominate this one, uh, you know, this is the one where you're like, OK, if he dominates Dan Hooker, rest of the, the rest of the lightweight division needs to really watch out. Um, because Dan Hooker has been in the five round wars with uh, Dustin Poirier, with the bet, with the best in the division, uh, he's seen it all. Paul he's Felder. been there. Paul Felder. Yeah. Uh, he he fought Michael Chandler in a big spot on a Conor McGregor card, right? So he's he's been in all the different scenarios. Um, but you know, Islam, it, this is still kind of new to him, um, fighting in a big spot like this against Dan Hooker, who has multiple weapons. I mean, Drew Dober and um, uh, Moises, those guys are, are good, but. They don't present the type of problems that Dan Hooker potentially can for him. So this matchup is very, very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I do think if Mahashev gets this thing on the ground, I, I think there's just a massive advantage there, and he's going to, I think uh, Khabib this week said, maul Dan Hooker, which uh, <laughs> if it does go to the ground, I think he can. I do think, like you said, the length uh, and and the way that Dan Hooker can potentially uh, keep the, the distance is re- what makes this fight the most intriguing for me. So... What an awesome fight. And and once again, like I think Mahashev's a future champion at some point at 155. I don't know. It is I, I, like, how can you root against Dan Hooker, though? Like, I don't, is there anybody out there that just doesn't like Dan Hooker? How can you not like Dan Hooker? How can you root against that guy with everything he's facing, you know, outside the octagon? Yeah, man, since um, he's uh, fought like the, 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 the more top guys in the division, you've really got to see him do more interviews so you get to see his personality come out and you you know dan hooker just seems like he's just a a real solid dude right he seems like um a very loyal guy and then of course uh you know he's loyal to his teammates and then you know the whole thing with his family uh for him to even consider taking this fight after all of the bullshit they had to go through uh just to fight nastrat for him to take this fight i was honestly shocked um i didn't think that he would take it because you're looking at potentially a year for him to see his family but of course uh, they're talking about moving his family to America, which was, which is, which is fantastic. So, yeah. um, if if that is if if that's taken care of, then Dan Hooker can can focus on on training. You know, he's going to get the best training at the PI. Um, he's, he doesn't have any restrictions in Vegas, right? right. Uh, so he can uh, he can train at the PI. He doesn't have to be locked down at his house. So, uh, you know, you wonder how much he was actually able to to train for this snatch rat fight, and for him to ha- to look the way he did, uh, it says a lot about him. So just the potential of him uh, having all this training, having uh, having this time coming off of a fight uh, and then jumping right back into a big training camp against Islam. It's I'm curious to see how he looks against Islam. So um, if he's able to maintain distance and make Islam chase him and make Islam uh, force a shot out of Islam, um, I think he can, despite how strong Islam is, if if he's telegraphing these shots and Dan is able to uh, stuff these takedowns, we really get to see how Islam is on the feet. Islam is better than Khabib on the feet. We've seen him uh, throw some kicks and have some solid punches and stuff. But uh, I don't know if he's on the level of Dan Hooker, no. but I'll be interested to see it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Calvin Cater, Giga Chikadze in the featherweight division is another one of those, like, that fight is announced, and I'm thinking, 
uh, fight of the year type candidate. I mean, <laughs> holy cow. Uh, you know what? It's Maybe I shouldn't say that because I don't know that I would put anything on the same level as uh, Chandler Gaethje and maybe Sanhagen Yawn at this point in time. But it's, I mean, it's right there. This thing has all the makings of a beauty. Yeah, man. Uh, seeing how Giga has just climbed these ranks uh, with his kicks, um, you know, beating, having Cup Swanson and Edson Barboza on your resume, those are two tough fights, and he kind of made it look easy, both of those fights. Um, but Calvin Cater is, is tough as hell. Uh, his boxing is very, very crisp. I mean, uh, a lot of people are going to look back to that Max fight and, uh, you know, Calvin got battered. We'll call it what it is. He got yeah. battered in that fight for five complete rounds, and we haven't seen him since. But I want to go back to his the fights with uh, Dan Ige, with Jeremy Stevens, where we've seen him shine. Um, Calvin Cater is not to be taken lightly. Uh, he's still a player at 145. He just ran into the, the best guy in the division right now, um, well, outside of Okanowski, but... Um, he ran into a guy who who uh, just was just clicking on all cylinders that night. But Calvin Cater could definitely uh, turn this all around with the win over over Giga. He could definitely do it. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this fight. Uh, how does Calvin look after a layoff, after uh, be- getting battered like that? I think that's something that uh, people need to consider. But I still wouldn't rule him out uh, because yeah. he is very tough. And he comes out of a great camp. And, uh, you know, th- this this matchup against Giga... Uh, it has the potential, like you said, to be a fight of the year candidate. Of course, we're not going to put it over Chandler and Gaethje, but it has the potential. Uh, that's just how, that's how big it is. Yeah, that's how, fireworks. that's how intriguing it is. We, 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 we talk about Gaethje and Chandler in such a huge light of how, of how violent it could be, but Giga and, um, and, uh, Calvin Cater is kind of on yeah. that same level. Well, and, and I love the fact that Giga is a guy that I think both of us believe is going to be in the title conversation at some point. This is, you know, that opportunity to really send him to the the upper echelon of that division. Uh, Calvin Cater is is no joke, right? I mean, it, that is going to be by far his toughest test to this point. And like you just referenced, I mean, Calvin Cater is tough as nails. And uh, to take the beating that he took against Max Holloway and the extended period out, like, how does he respond? Is he a changed fighter uh, from that? Is he hesitant to maybe get into a firefight because of that? Or does he bounce back the same way that Brian Ortega did? following a Max Holloway fight and look as good as he's ever looked in, in his first opportunity back in the octagon. So yeah, I, that one is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for that matchup. Yeah. The, the biggest question is, can he, can he rattle Giga? Like Giga has been really fighting yeah. his, his own fight with Edson, with Cub, with all these guys in the UFC, but can uh, Calvin Cater kind of rattle him, uh, make him fight uh, a different fight, make him uncomfortable. Uh, that's that's the biggest question, because if not, Giga is a handful for everybody. And we've seen that already. Uh, but if Calvin can um, make this a boxing style matchup, uh, yeah. then it's going to favor Calvin in a big way. By the way, speaking of uh, you mentioned Dan Hooker and, and maybe his family moving to America. Welcome to America, or I should say coming to America, Israel Adesanya. He's had enough of the BS, right? Oh, man, just that whole situation in uh, in Australia, New Zealand, it's just it's just crazy, man. Like these guys are having to go through so much just to get to a fight, just to do their jobs, uh, to provide for their families. Um, Israel, it, it just seems like he's always in lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, he, he even started making a YouTube channel just because he's had so much time on his hands. <laughs> I'm sure he's in there going crazy. So and, and finally, uh, he's gotten to a point where he's just like, fuck it. Me and the team, we're going to America. Uh, I don't know uh, where they decided to, to go yet, but. Um, all the guys in city kickboxing are going to uh, come to America. Israel is obviously the, the best fighter there. Uh, and I don't know if their coach is coming, but, um, but man, uh, 
just to have all those guys in America, that opens up a lot because all these guys like to be active. And the restrictions in uh, in Australia and New Zealand are preventing them from being active. Um, Israel, like in in 2019 or whatever, I think he fought like four or five times. Like he's used to uh, fighting. Like yeah. Volkanovski, he just fought uh, Brian Ortega in a crazy war, and he was talking about fighting again at the end of the year. Like these guys want to continue fighting, but they can't because if they go back home, there's there's a quarantine, and then you can't train, and then there's just so many loopholes. So it's just life would just be a lot easier. Uh, with them coming to America, so yeah, here they and come. It's not just him moving. He w- he was also saying like he's not even going to take any more fights back home, right? Like he's done. Like he's he. That's a big part of it. Is you know like he wants to he wants fights to be over there and to have big pay per view cards over there. And it sounds like he's done with that altogether. Like I'm I've had it. I'm out. Not only am I moving away from here, but you can think twice about me ever bringing a a pay per view card that I'm headlining back to uh, back home. So interesting position. Obviously un- understandable as well. Uh, all right. Any any other UFC headlines you want to hit before we uh, mention this Bell- Bellator card real quick? Oh man, uh, I think we uh, I think we hit them all, man. Right. Uh, yeah, I think we hit them all. So we have a, a big time Bellator card Saturday night. I, I've I say this all the time. Like I'm not anti Bellator. I, I I watch it. I I know some of the names. I don't follow it as closely as I follow the UFC. So um, I, I you know I'm not going to be able to give the same I guess opinions on a Bellator card that I could on a UFC card, but this is a big one with obviously Nimkov and is it Anglicus in the, uh, in the main event for the championship at light heavyweight. We have co-main event, Ryan Bader and Corey Anderson also at light heavyweight. And then who doesn't love to see Benson Henderson's name on a fight card? Yeah. Bellator. Uh, you know, when I saw this card, I was very impressed, you know, Benson Henderson, uh, former UFC lightweight champion, uh, legend of the sport in my mind. Uh, he's probably one of the, in my mind, he's one of the best lightweights to ever do it. Um, uh, still a big name in Bellator, fighting Brent Primus, who uh, once upon a time beat Michael Chandler. Uh, so a very good stylistic matchup uh, with those two fighters. Um, and then the light heavyweight Grand Prix uh, semifinals, Ryan Bader, Corey Anderson. Um, that fight, uh, I, you know, I don't know how exciting it's going to be, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I always love yeah. a good chess match. So just the, the the thought of the chess match is very intriguing to me. Both guys are very, very uh uh, credentialed wrestlers. Um, Ryan Bader, of course, is a former uh, two-division champion. I think he's still the heavyweight champion, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's um, right. Yeah, he, he hasn't defended it in so long. They might have stripped him, but I, as far as I know, he's still the heavyweight champion. But um, he was like heavyweight champion before he lost to Nimkov. He, uh, he's advanced this far into the into the Grand Prix. And Corey Anderson uh, has come from the UFC, where he was ranked, like I believe, number three when he uh, signed with Bellator. So um, this fight is very intriguing. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes. Uh, I'm not sure um, which way I'm leaning. I, you know, that fight's very, very, very close. Um, but, you know, of course, whoever wins this fight is one step closer to a million dollars. So I'm sure that they're both going to leave it all out there. And then, of course, uh, the main event with Nimkov and uh, w- what'd you say his last name was? Uh, I believe it was like Anglicus Julius. Or something along. I, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. Julius well, Anglicus. We'll go with that. We'll go with that for t- for for now. But um, you know, Nimkov, the champion who who has looked crazy good um since he's been champion. He came, uh, not ma- not many people knew of him when he fought Bader, but he kind of just had his way with Bader, took the title from him, and now uh, he's on the cusp of winning a million dollars if he wins this fight. Um, Julius is in a is in an interesting spot because this was supposed to be Rumble Johnson, but uh, something happened with Rumble where he had to pull out of the tournament, and now he's uh he's stepped up and taken this fight. 
you know, not many people know about him. Uh, I'm not, I don't even know much about him. But for him to be in this spot, to be in a main event like this, um, yeah. Bellator has to have uh, a lot of uh, – they must see a lot of promise in him. So um, it's a very interesting fight. It's uh, very interesting for uh, Nimkov, who was pro- who was preparing for Rumble, having to take another guy on short notice. So um, Bellator's got a pretty solid card uh, for us on Saturday. I'm, uh, I'm going to be tuned in. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's rewind to last Saturday night. Um, I will have to go back because I don't have my sheet in front of me. You were either up by 9 or 11. I can't remember which. Um, either way, though, I- I'll figure it out. You went plus four this week. We disagreed on three fights. I was right in the agapova Mezo fight. You were right in the Nikolau Elliott fight. We were both on the right side of the Randy Brown-Jared Gooden fight with Randy Brown winning, and then obviously the three-point main event you had Marina Rodriguez over my selection, Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good night for me. Uh, I will say though, with uh, how it started with uh, with Mazo getting torched like that, I was like, wow, this is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't know much about uh, what was her name? Agapova. Uh, Agapova. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't know much about her, but she really came out and just kind of stole the show uh, with her performance, and then. Uh, the way that the Elliott and uh, Nikolau fight started, uh, I was a little worried because Elliott won that first round, and it kind of seemed like uh, Nikolau didn't really know like how to approach it, how to really get get started. But in that second round, he kind of found his rhythm, started landing some takedowns, uh, striking started to come together. He uh, won the decision. Uh, so I was happy with that one because I was like, okay, I'm not sure about Dern and Rodriguez. So if I don't get at least uh, some point, I'm going to feel kind of yeah. uh, worried going into, going into these next uh, pay-per-views. But... Uh, and then, of course, you know, Randy Brown looked looked outstanding against Jared Gooden. He he hurt his toe in like the first like two minutes and he kept like having like I, I don't really know, but he was like stepping on his toe with his other foot trying to, I guess, put it back in place. I guess it was jammed or something. Yeah. But he had to deal with that for the whole fight. But he was he was tagging Jared Gooden the entire night, still dealing with his toe and everything. It was a great performance by Randy Brown. Uh, it was a performance I kind of expected. Uh, he's a very, very good prospect. All of his losses have come to guys who are very, very high ranked at 170 uh, against a guy like Jerry Gooden. I expected Randy Brown to have his way, and he did. So that takes me to the main event. Um, Marina Rodriguez. I was not sure um, who could um, over not overwhelm, but who could take control of the fight, like who could dictate where this fight takes place. Uh, I, I read a stat that said that Mackenzie Dern, her takedown accuracy was low. But whenever I would see Marina Rodriguez fight someone who could uh, rem- even – a li- wrestle a little bit like the Carla Sparzas and the Cynthia Calvillos. She yeah. struggled. She couldn't stay on her feet. So I was worried. I thought Mackenzie Dern was probably going to, if she got her down and was able to wrap up a submission, uh, I thought for sure Dern was going to get it done. And Marina was in some bad spots in this fight. Uh, but luckily, she was able to uh, to get out of those situations and kind of uh, have her way on the feet. Uh, whenever this fight was on the feet, it just seemed like Mackenzie Dern did not have uh, an answer for, uh, for Marina Rodriguez at all. So um, as long as this fight was standing, it was all Marina, and she was able to dictate where this fight took place. Um, the the takedowns for McKenzie were few and far between, and uh, that's kind of why we saw the fight that we saw. So um, big big props to Marina Rodriguez winning um, a main event. She's on a she's on a tear right now, and uh, she deserves a, a one of these top fighters in the in the strawweight division. Who do you want to see her match up against? I absolutely want to see her fight Yoani on JJ Connect. Amen. I don't, I don't know like what's the deal with her, but uh, I don't know. If she's waiting for a title shot, but at this point, she's been she's been gone for so long. She hasn't fought since that, the Wei uh, Li fight, right? Right. She hasn't fought since the Wei Li fight. So, uh, 
for me, I want to see her fight again. So, yeah. uh, and you know, it could be a, a Whaley rematch, but I don't really want to see her fight Rose again. So I, I guess I want to see her fight somebody outside of, of those two. So, uh, Marina has worked her way into this spot. Uh, I think she's one win away from a champion, from a title shot. So yeah. why not put, uh, Marina and Joanna in there? This is going to be a striking war. Um, She's she's had her way. Marina's had her way with all of these straw weights when it comes to on the feet. Now, if she can have her way with Joanna, definitely give her a title shot. Yeah, no doubt. I couldn't agree more. Uh, she has uh, proved me wrong twice in a row. Uh, look, I mean, if you wanted to just be like stubborn about it and be like, OK, well, let's give you another, you know, tough matchup in Carla Esparza. Um, that would be brutal, right? To get wins over Heboss and Mackenzie Dern from a stylistic standpoint and then get another one of those. Um, I love the Joanna uh, fight, potentially. That would be a great fight. It makes sense in terms of the division and um, trying to figure out who ultimately becomes the number one contender. All right, let's, uh, let's hit this Saturday card. This is, I would say, it's fair to say the most underwhelming card maybe of the year to this point in terms of either star power or fights that may have big impacts within like division rankings, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, like there's not many ranked fighters on this card. Uh, there's not, I mean the, the winners of this, of these car of these, of the fights on this card, there's not going to be much movement. Like you said, uh, it's just kind of just going to be a, a fight night. Um, where we just see some uh, MMA fights in my yeah. mind. So I think there are some great uh, matchups and we will see good fights, but in terms of how like impactful right. it is from a, like UFC headline perspective, there's not a lot of that. Yeah, def- definitely not. Um, I mean, for me, the most intriguing thing on this on this fight card is uh, Aspen Ladd, you know, seeing if she's going to make weight and seeing how she performs at, at uh, 145. Uh, outside of that, there's not too much where it's just like, oh, this is must-see. Yeah. All right, well, uh, let's make some picks. You ready? Let's do it, man. We begin Saturday in the middleweight division. We have Julian Marquez, 9-2 and two overall. Jordan Wright, 12-1 and one overall. And I do not have the odds in front of me because I uh, closed out that page on accident. <laughs> um, well, you know, uh, Marquez has looked really good in his last few fights. Uh, I've been very impressed with what he has with what he has done, the resume that he has uh, put together. Uh, but Jordan Wright is a very, very tough customer as well. Uh, like you said, his, he's only got one loss on his record. Um, I remember him fighting uh, Joaquin Butley uh, and losing. Uh, but I think after that one, he beat, um, forget who he beat. But uh, So he, he's tough, but um, I think this is very good matchmaking. Uh, for me, this is probably going to be my fight of the night. Um, but I... I think Marquez is just on a roll right now, uh, so I'm going to pick uh, Julian Marquez. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Yes, <laughs> one of the great nicknames in the sport, the Cuban Missile Crisis, Julian Marquez. By the way, I got the odds now. Uh, Marquez is a minus 240 favorite, plus 190 for Jordan Wright. I think this is this is the fight I'm most looking forward to. I also think there there could be a legitimate argument that that this could be a main event fight on this card. Like, Julian Marquez, great on the mic. I mean, every time he fights, like, he makes headlines with his post-fight um, availability. I mean, he seems really likable, and he's he's kind of on that that incline. So, Julian Marquez for me, so we're on the same side of fight number one. Next, we have, let's see, women's flyweights. Uh, Manon Furo? 
I'm guessing. I don't know the pronunciation on it. Seven and one overall. <laughs> and uh, who do we have? Myra Bueno Silva, seven, one, and one overall. Oddshark.com has Fiero minus 240 plus 194 Bueno Silva. By the way, there's a French flag, so I'm assuming that the uh, at the end it's it's uh, an OT. So I'm assuming uh-huh. French pronunciations <laughs> usually just go long O there at the end. So I'm rolling with it. Hey, man, I'm with you. I'm not even going to attempt yeah. it. Uh, I'm not even I'm not going to attempt it so much that I'm just going to avoid saying her name altogether. And I'm going to quick to pick uh, Myra Bueno Silva. Nice. <laughs> nice. OK, um, I will. Uh, I will go Firo. And say that confidently, like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Our next matchup. Uh, will we have a UFC legend? On this card uh, that may be somewhat overlooked, but uh, I, you know, anytime you have Jim Miller on a fight card, that is worth your attention. Jim Miller is thirty-two and sixteen versus Eric Gonzalez, fourteen and five. Oddshark.com is Jim Miller at minus two twenty, Eric Gonzalez plus one seventy-five. Uh, so for me, you got to love Jim Miller because I think he's just taking fights just to uh, keep his record going. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean. I don't even think this fight was supposed to be on this card, but I think it was made like a week ago or like a week and a half ago. So, uh, you know, on short notice fights, uh, you got you got to think that Jim Miller's been training, and Jim Miller has looked like he's got like he's been revamped uh, as of late, and he's fighting these young guys who are trying to make a name for themselves. But uh, you know, just Jim Miller's experience, all that he's been through, uh, it just seems like he is just a step above uh, a lot of these fighters that he's been fighting. Uh, I think this is a Jim Miller win. Uh, I think he's just going to keep his record going, uh, especially with it being short notice. Uh, I don't think Gonzalez had much time to prepare for Jim, so uh, I'm going Jim Miller. Same for me. And, uh, like, at this point, unless Jim Miller's fighting, I don't know, like Mahashev or Dustin right. Poirier, like, give me Jim Miller, right? Like, let, I'm, I'm just not going to pick against the guy. I love the fact that he takes these opportunities and just uh, is still doing what he's doing. It's pretty awesome. All right, our co-main event on Saturday night takes us to the heavyweight division. Andre Arlovsky, former champion, by the way, Andre Arlovsky. Speaking of big fight records, 31-20, and 20, Will, for Arlovsky. <laughs> Carlos Felipe, 11-1 and 1 overall. Uh, Odd Shark has this as a very tight matchup. Arlovsky's minus 110, Felipe's minus 120. Uh, you know, for me, I think Felipe... You know, his record is 11-1. He's fought some uh, some pretty solid guys in the heavyweight division, but this is a big step up for him. Uh, I don't think that um, he doesn't have the heavyweight knockout power that I, from what I've seen that a lot of people have that take out Arlovsky. I kind of expect this to be um, an Arlovsky win by decision. Um, I I was really impressed with Arlovsky when he beat Tanner Bozer. I did not think that he would win that fight. I thought Bozer, this was going to be a, a showcase fight for Bozer, but... Uh, Arlovsky showed me a lot, and uh, with that win, I think uh, a fight with Carlos Felipe is kind of going to go the same. So, uh, Andre Arlovsky for me. Felipe has three heavyweight wins inside the UFC, and all three were decision wins. I have a hard time seeing him outpoint Andre Arlovsky in this scenario. Um, again, a, a massive edge in experience, and if you can't hurt Andre Arlovsky, I mean, I, I just, you know, that that is that guy's a monster, right? right. He lo- who he made Tom Aspinall look tiny. Right, they stood, like it was crazy, and Tom Aspinall's a big dude. So, yeah, uh, give me Andre Orlovsky again, a lot like Jim Miller. Like I love to see the dude just still doing it. Right, like he he keeps right. going, and uh, 
he welcomes any and all comers. All right, our main event on Saturday. We have uh, we have a change. Well, this was supposed to be. I think Holly Holm was supposed to be the big draw initially on this card, right? She was going to be the the feature name on this card. Uh, we end up landing on Norma Dumont versus Aspen Ladd as our main event here. Norma Dumont six and one overall. Aspen Ladd nine and one overall. We have Aspen Ladd as a minus one thirty favorite. Dumont plus one ten. Man, um, you know, Aspen Ladd's been through a lot. You know, she tore her ACL. She's had weight cut issues. Uh, she hasn't fought in a while because of the weight cut issues and the injuries. Um, and this is her first fight at 145. And Norman Dumont is not a small woman. Uh, Aspen Ladd has, has fought a lot of, of the 135ers, and she's kind of had her way with them. Uh, she's got a lot of finishes. She's got more finishes on her record than I, than I expected. Um, and it's mostly with with ground and pound, right? So, uh, but I don't think you know Ashley is really strong, and she's most she's a lot of times bigger than her opponent. I don't think she'll have that advantage. Um, I do think that she'll be able to get this fight to the ground, but I, I, I just I'm just not sure about how good she's going to look um, at 145. So, um, this is uh, uh, this is someone who's fought at 145 multiple times in the UFC. So, um, ah man, this is tough, but I think I'm going to go with uh, Dumont here. Uh, that's a surprise to me because I thought you were going to go Aspen Ladd. So I, I was kind of wanting to go on the opposite side of you, but I was I was going to pick Dumont anyway. And then I thought oh. it'll just be an added bonus because I think he's going to go Aspen Ladd. Um, when was the last time Aspen Ladd was in the octagon? 2019? I mean, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, we just saw Dumont get the win over Felicia Spencer earlier this year. Um, man, this is a tough one for me. I, I've been kind of torn on this. I, I kind well, of I want to go opposite. Well, hey, I kind of thought that you were going to pick Aspen Ladd. Oh, okay. So, so if you really if you want to if you were already going to pick Dumont, I have no problem with picking Aspen Ladd. So I will go Aspen Ladd to be opposite. I'll give you Aspen Ladd. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, this is the rare situation where, uh, like, I, I'll go ahead and give you back the favorite, uh, <laughs> despite you picking the underdog initially. But yeah, um, I'll go. Uh, I'll go Dumont. Yeah, I I completely thought I was going opposite you here, so uh, I have no problem going going with Lad. So, uh, yeah. To, to if you win for the second was... week in a row, going against what your original pick was, just to be opposite me, I'm going to be just absolutely irate. By the way, so and for the second week in a row, you'll yeah. say you said like if this happens, then this is going to happen. Yeah, so you'll, get, you'll get the text message like. <laughs> and you know I'm it's kinda... you know I'm mad when I just send like the the emoji and then like. I don't even like, I don't even send anything else. I'm like, I'm just, that's enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Aspen Ladd, uh, she hasn't fought in, in, in a few years. It's been since 2019, but I think she has a style that, um, even though, um, she hasn't fought in a, in a while, she's got a style that can kind of ease her back into it. Yeah. Um, because she's very physically strong for sure. But that's why, that's just where my question of, of 145, how she performs. I mean, is she going to um, be stronger at this weight? How does she carry the extra 10 pounds? So that's a big question. But yeah. if she's able to, ha- to carry it well, then uh, she has a very good chance of winning this fight. But if she wins this fight, Kobe Daniels, <laughs> if she wins this fight, yeah. I, don't, I, I, think, I don't think you're going to hear the end of it from me. Uh, on either I mean, I may, just, I may just go ahead and like do the shoey on Saturday if, if that happens. Like, you know what? It's just, it's meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> Now you you can't do the shoey so early, but no, we got won't. some paper shoes. But but man, 
<laughs> if Aspen Loud wins this, I'm going to crack up so hard. I know you're you right. are not going to hear the end of it from me, my brother. Yeah, I hear you. All right, buddy. Uh, we got uh, we got our picks in. We've got another card uh, on deck before we inch closer and closer to this uh, pay per view that I I've been just geeked about forever. And I'm just glad also that uh, Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira are going to be in the octagon very very soon. So. Yeah, that that fight card. We're two weeks away, man. Uh, that fight card is gonna it's going to be stacked. Uh, a lot of international flavor. They're going to Abu Dhabi, so we've got uh, all of the uh, of the top uh, international fighters, Glover and and Jan fighting yeah. for the title. The two nicest guys in the sport yeah. uh, potentially are uh, going are going to w- going to war for the light heavyweight title. Um, and it's free. Going to be nice. If you have ESPN and, Plus, it's a free card. It's a free card. It's going to be early in the day. But it's going to be worth it because you've got um, Hamzat Shemaev on this card. You've got Islam and Dan Hooker on this card. Uh, you've got heavyweights of uh, Volkov and Tibera on this card. You've got um, uh, Dan Hooker and Islam. I think I already said that. But you've got Peter Yan and Corey Sandhagen. Loaded. Like, I, I cannot believe that that is the fight that we're going to get for free. Yeah. And then also you got uh, in the main event, Jan Blahovich and Glover Teixeira. It's going to be crazy. There's a, I, I'm like two weeks behind on contender series, so I've got to catch up. But one of the guys that just won a contract like three weeks ago, Duraev, is already on this card, and he is a freak, man. Like that's, I when I watch those, there are guys that you're like, yeah, he needs a contract. But then there are the dudes that you're like, let me write down that name so I remember it because that guy might do something special. Duraev, uh, we'll talk about it obviously when uh, that pay per view gets here, but. Uh, look out. I, I'm excited to see him bounce back very quickly after the Contender Series fight and, and make his uh, UFC debut. All right, buddy, I got to run. Uh, always fun. We covered a lot of ground, uh, despite maybe a, a fight card this weekend that doesn't have nearly the star power that a lot of people would anticipate. But nonetheless, uh, will always fun, my friend. Always a good time, my brother. Have a good one. Podcast is over.